Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to the second full-length episode of Podcast 63. Today, we're going to be talking about a full gambit of topics, from Marcus Towns' domination to Cooper Kyfish's shot to Cameron Crutwig's broken nose and the resurgence of General Custer. Strap in, because this week, it's going to be a good one. He jumps, he passes out to Hunter, Hunter shoots, off the rim, Ralph gets the scores, it's over, it's over, we won, we won the ball game, Viola won the ball game, oh, we won, 60 to 58. This past week, Drake came into town into Gentile Arena and Loyal and Bloom out of the water. The final score there was 86 to 64. Uh, we had great a great performance from Marcus Towns. Cameron Crutwig had a great a big second half. Clayton Custer came back, and uh, Kyphus also had a pretty good game there too. Uh, Lou, what were your initial thoughts on the game? Um, so yeah, uh, again, I think go, uh, looking into Drake, we were really uh, more not worried, but interested to see how uh, Nick uh, McGlynn would do uh, down low with our big man Cam. And uh, the first half, they were just uh, two titans, just right there going at it. They were both. Not big scoring games right away in the first half for them, but that's because these two guys are two of the best in the Missouri Valley, and it was just great seeing the competition, but it was even better than seeing uh, Cameron Crutwig break away in the second half and dominate with his 16 points. Uh, And then uh, I also, as we're going to talk about, is the turnover game. I think we did great with uh, keeping it down low, and I just think we really played great to have a great Drake game is what we needed. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, we only had five turnovers total that whole game uh, compared to Drake's 12, which uh, I know Porter likes to talk about keeping those turnovers down. I think his number is usually around 10 or 11, keeping it below that. Um, so, yeah, it was a great game. Uh, uh, it was exactly what we needed uh, to, to propel us uh, for the rest of the season. So we're going to start a, a new segment here uh, called Quick Hitters, which – uh, if you listen to our last podcast, you know it's it was a little it was a little on the long side, uh, and I mentioned last time too we want to want to trim it down a little bit. So this is going to help us do that and also uh, help get across a lot of information in a short amount of time. So we're going to spend two minutes on different topics from the game or for preview topics, um, and the two of us are just going to probably each get about a minute to talk about it so we can get it out in in a in a short amount of time. So the first the first quick hitter. Uh, we're going to start off with Crutwig's injury. Lou, do you want to take it first? Yeah, so I think we all just um, had a little uh, skip of a heartbeat there when we saw our big man, our saving angel, uh, just take a fall. And it was a tough one. As you look at the replay, he just got a little elbowed or a little bumped around, and they just fell, hit the ground. But then it was a little scary with the blood that we saw from the TV. I heard some of the fans couldn't really tell what was going on. But for us on the TV, um, you could see the injury, you could see the blood. So just a, uh, ended up hopefully just a simple nose injury. And as those fans know, we later saw the ramifications of that in the Valpo game, which we'll talk about. But, uh, yeah, it was a scary thought, but it was great because even with that injury, he came back in the second half stronger than ever. So, Yeah, I, uh, I was at the game, and, and a bunch of us were talking. We had no idea what was going on. Uh, he was just on the floor for four or five minutes, and uh, we were thinking, you know, maybe it was a concussion. Um, we, we didn't. He wasn't pulling at any like arms or legs, so we knew it wasn't like a broken bone or anything, or well, broken limb. Um, but yeah, as Lou said on on TV on on the camera, you could see a lot of blood. No, none of us could see that. Uh, so we we really were in the dark there for a few minutes. Um, 
but it definitely affected his play in the first half. I mean, he broke his nose, and so that I'm sure he was in a lot of pain. He still played great defense. It was a battle down low um, between Crutwig and McGlynn, um, and uh, he really came out on top, though, in that second half. So it was good to see that the injury really didn't affect him in the second half. Yeah, no, for only playing, he played only 12 minutes in the first half, really low for especially all the starters. Um, and for Cameron Crutwig, that's usually not a thing. Uh, but then, again, he, coming back in the second half, just really sure that he, he got everything fixed and just moved on. Good. Well, we got in under that two minutes. Uh, so moving on, the next one, talk, we talk, touched on it a little bit, but uh, Crutwig versus McGlynn. Uh, do you want to start, Lou? Yeah, so, oh boy, was this something to watch. These two were going uh, just really great defense. They were trying to lock each other down, just showing the arms, uh, hands up high. Uh, down low, it was great. Um, and again, when you look at the stat line, you're like, how did we pull away? We had such a great big lead in the first half. Um, but really, it was just that second half that uh, our boy Cameron Krubuk just uh, knew it to take himself, the composure he had, even from this small little injury. That didn't stop him. That did not stop him. The man went on a roar with his 16 points in the second half alone, picked up a few boards there. He was one shy, I believe, of a total for my double-double, and that's what I love to see is him getting those double-doubles. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I think just the resurgence of him. Nick McGlynn, uh, great guy. We'll talk about maybe a hit. He had great game this past weekend uh, against you and I. I think he dropped 22 points. So, again, he's just a great talent to see in the Missouri Valley. But I think just having these two kind of go at it is great for competition toward player of the year. Yeah, I, uh, I was a little skeptical of uh, Krautwig versus McGlynn uh, before the game. I, I really did think McGlynn might have his number. I know he's really skilled. I thought him being a senior, just co- sort of having that mindset might help him out. But, uh, I mean, he did have an okay stat line besides, like, the points. He did have five blocks, McGlynn did, the, the center on Drake. So that was super impressive. Um, but other than that, I mean, Krowick shut him down. He McGlynn only made one shot. He made a three-pointer. Like, he didn't even make anything down low. So that really just shows that Krowick is more than just a scorer. He is a great defender. Uh, Krowick did have two blocks. I think he had one towards the end of the game, too. That was really impressive to see. Um, but, yeah, I, Krowick won this battle, and he won this battle pretty easily. Um and I think this just sets him up to, to really – I think in this game he locked down his, his uh, Missouri Valley Conference first uh, all-first team. I think this game helped him out, and he should get that award at the end of the season. Um, so then uh, moving on, let's talk about Cooper's game. Cooper? Uh, yeah. Cooper. Co- Cooper Kyphus. Oh, you mean – you? do you mean the number one spot on ESPN Top 10 that night? Oh, that's right. It is Cooper Kyphus, the three and three-fourths quarter shot from deep. That's right. He scored a touchdown, a home run, and a slam dunk all in one with that shot. Uh, as many of you don't know, if you don't, if you live under a rock, but I hope we don't because we want you to listen to this podcast. Yes. Cooper Kyphus, great shot to end the first uh, half. If you don't know, I, you also have to note that um, – uh, here grabbed the board and looked for him right away. Yeah, Usually, here might try to just chuck that again. There's nothing wrong with here doing that. That's just a no- normal uh, momentum thing for a player. But he f- found Cooper, and Cooper just and, and it was smooth. There was nothing, nothing but net. It was smooth, almost as smooth as his hair game. And I think um, that shot alone also helped him. Had a great game. I think he dropped 12 points. 
Um, and again, he's just far from deep. Cooper went four for seven, four for seven, all from three. And that's totally fine. That's the man we're hoping to create here. And um, I think that's he dropped 28 minutes. And he had, a, he had a great game to come off the bench. I think that's something we like to see from him. Yeah, I really I, – I thought he played good defense too. He had a couple steals. Um, I'm starting to trust him a lot more on defense. I think he's getting in front of uh, people on the drive. I mean, he's still a freshman. He's still learning. Yep, um, yep. But I do think his overall game is getting a little better. I would love to see him drive more. I think, I think he has good ball handling skills. I, I think he's just a little – um, a little tentative, but uh, I mean, he's he's such a great shooter from three that you know you, you want to see him do that. Four, he's four for seven. I mean, that's super impressive. Yeah, great game. No, um, defense. Yeah, again, that a freshman thing. I I kind of see that issue with uh, him not knowing exactly the spot, but that's a freshman thing. Um, I think it's just even more amazing that we can trust him on offense as a mm-hmm. freshman. Uh, I think coming here, uh, that's a great thing to already gain uh, that trust freshman year and gain that skill set. Um, talking about threes, not alone him, but we shot 71% from three in that game. That is a great thing to see after we all know the Illinois State game. That is a great thing for us to see. We're still number one in the Valley uh, in three-point percentage uh, in conference play and everything. So it's a great thing to see this team uh, commit to the three and not really forget about it. And Cooper's just one of those guys. And the rest of them, Clay went uh, two for two, and Marcus went uh, four for four from three. So it was just a great game from the three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Good job, Cooper Kyphus. Um, moving on, uh, I I put this topic on here. Um, I I thought uh, I hear Uguak had a great game defensively. Um, I thought he played super well. He had six points, eight rebounds, four assists, a steal. Um, but I think we're really seeing a new version of Uguak. I think earlier in the season um, he he struggled a little bit defensively. Guys were getting past him. He was hesitating uh, on switches, on, on picks, on defense. Um, but now I think uh, Uguak is really uh, becoming a great defender, and I, I, I believe that he will, uh, in his career at Loyola, make an all-defensive team. I know that's a bold statement, hot take, whatever you want to say, but his length, 6'7", uh, I'm sure he has a longer wingspan than that, uh, his ability to jump and, and, and grab defensive rebounds over everyone or block shots or alter shots, um, I think that he'll become a smarter defender. Um, but right now his athleticism is carrying him. He's not hesitating. And I, I know it was almost painful to watch the first the, in the non-con schedule him hesitating and getting beat on defense or um, not taking the ball to the hoop. But he's not hesitating anymore, and that's that's a really big thing to see. Um, yeah, I think uh, with that wingspan, it's just a great thing to see. Um, and I think I do agree. I think for a future, uh, he's here. He's getting this again. This is his first year. People need to know uh, he was a freshman in New Mexico, really might not have gotten as a starter playing time at all. And he had a weighty year. Now this is his first year to emerge, but also come into a team that already had their players that went to a final four. You had Lucas, you had Cam, you had Clay, Marcus. So four main guys there alone. Uh, might just take over the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But to see it here, and I think later on, uh, especially next year, you'll see Cam and here just be a great uh, duo. I think they'll be passing, they'll look to each other, to one to cut to the rim, one to help out, and I just think it's great to see that already emerging as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on, uh, Clayton Custer. He had, he had a, a great game. Uh, he did have 14 points, uh, a rebound, two assists. Um, but I think what I... 
I liked the most out of his game was his efficiency. I thought he there was he wasn't taking any bad shots. He might have gotten blocked once or twice, but they're probably both on layups. Um, he was two for two from three and four for four from the free throw line, and that's exactly what you want to see. I mean, it's not going to happen every time out, but he was efficient. He played good defense. Uh, he seemed to be in control. He got a really friendly bounce on a three-pointer. I don't know if you noticed that, but I think it was on an out-of-bounds play, and, and it hit the front of the rim and bounced in kind of reminiscent of that uh, Tennessee game winner uh, in the in the tournament. But he had a great game. It was great to see. I think the general's back. Yeah, no, um, efficiency is what we needed from him that game. Uh, coming out of the Illinois State game with the one for 12, again, some of those shots, the one for 12, on a stat line, don't really, don't really notice, but uh, they were just heaves at the end of the game. But this game... All his stat line was there. Uh, four for eight from the game in general, but uh, uh, two for two from three, uh, perfect from the free throw line. Those are the things. Free throw line, I think this team, free I'm going to bring that up in the Valpo game, but those are where we need those points. And maybe this game we didn't need them. It was a pretty big uh, spread, mm-hmm. but uh, seeing the general really come back out there. And again, it's like never have his head down. There, You don't see a slump go for long, and that just might be a team thing. You really don't see. And again, we haven't, I don't believe, had two straight losses in conference play. Mm-hmm. And that's because this team isn't one to be like, oh, that really got us. We, we, we were down in a, a – no. No, they get back up, and again, we talked about this last week, they put it away, they lost, and that's what this Drake game, this huge win was great to see from an efficiency standpoint, but also seeing guys like Clay get back under the groove we want them to see. This is where we want them, and then uh, just that was just a great thing to see. Yeah, a, a great performance from Clayton Custer. Uh, and now the, the meat of all of this game. Let's talk about Marcus Towns. Who? Marcus Towns. Who? Player of the year, Marcus player of the year, player Marcus of Towns. the year, Marcus yes, Towns. Yes, yes, uh, yes. You, you go ahead, man. you start because Marcus I'm, Towns. I'm um, I don't know if many of you know. Did 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 you watch the Drake game? I did, in fact, you watch did? the Drake game yeah. because I I kind of think a certain player named Marcus Towns went off for a thirty-two point game. 32 points. That is player of the year material. Six for six from free throw. That's what I love to see. Is those free throws? Four for four from three. That's what also I love to see. This is a guy who has turned on the speed. Mm-hmm. He is dominating, as we talked about last week, driving the basket. But this man knows what he wants, and he wants the player of the year. But the thing is, he's not being selfish about it. He had five assists, which I love to see a stat line for. Mm-hmm. With those high points, he's also looking to pass the ball. He is here to help, and he is here for that player of the year. Nick McGlynn, you got covered by boy Cam, but our boy Marcus, he showed up too. He came out on fire, and that's just what you love to see. And I think these games like this, and we'll talk about the uh, Valpo game with Marcus, but this Drake game, this was an amazing highlight. And this was another thing besides that top 10 appearance, besides Clay coming back efficiency, Marcus dropping 32 points, put something in this team to be like, hey, we got this this next stretch. This is what we're going to do. This is the game we play, and this is the team that's going to finish first in the conference in regular season, first in the tournament, go to the NCAA <laughs> tournament, and make a run. Okay. I mean, yeah. If, if this is the performance we're getting from Marcus Sounds, like uh, most of the time, yeah, they, they probably will do that. They probably could do that. Um, I, I love to see his energy. Um, I love to see him. He, he carries himself with a little bit of attitude, and I really like to see that. It's fun to watch as a fan from a fan perspective. Um, 
but yeah, no, he he was super efficient. Um, he I I don't I don't know you said it all. I don't know what to say. He's he is the player of the year. I think he he has the other the other guys backs on the team. This is a performance that you look back on um you know throughout throughout the year when when the year's done and you really I, i'm gonna reminisce about this game I, in my in my four years here i know milton doyle had some really great games but i don't know if we've ever had a player play as efficiently as efficiently as marcus towns did in this in this ball game um but yeah that's uh that was our that was our segment our, our quick hitter segment hopefully it, it speeds up the podcast uh, next, we're gonna. Unless you have any finishing thoughts, uh, let's uh, let's jump into the Valpo game. And the Ramblers are moving on. Sunday, Loyola defeated Valparaiso fifty-six to fifty-one in a very highly energetic and contested and physically defensive battle. Uh, any any quick thoughts on the game? Grinding. Grinding is the exact word. I just want to talk about this Valpo game. Um, for those of you who didn't realize, the first half of that game was a college D1 game. I know the score didn't really think of it. It was uh, really low scoring. Um, and it was just tough. Um, I got to give credit to Javon Freeman. I think uh, we're just going to really highlight this game. From their side, uh, was Javon Freeman, and I think we'll be hearing that name a lot. Uh, he's a freshman, kid from Chicago. And you're going to be hearing that name in contention against when we go back there with Cam, when we go mm-hmm. back there with Cooper, when we go back there with Marquise Kennedy next year. So that, that's a name we're going to see. And quite honestly, I start uh, liking a little rivalry coming up. We love seeing yeah. those fans go to the game, uh, Porter getting those buses out there. And it was a great thing to have um, for this culture. And I think uh, being so close to Valpo, I'm pretty sure they're the closest Valley team to us. So. Um, love seeing it, and I hope we reciprocate that when they come back. I know we already finished our here, but for next year, and I hope it's a constant thing that we just uh, make an extension, like the UIC games, how we go down there as a, as a, as a crew, as a team, mm-hmm. as the pack. And um, I think uh, that's what this game really summarized of how we uh, stick with it, and that's what happens when you bring out the W. I think it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a great atmosphere for the players to play in, I'm sure. Um, I saw some pictures of, of uh, the arena there. It looked pretty full. Um, I heard I follow some of the uh, students there um, at Valpo, and I know they were really hyped up for the game. A lot of the message boards were saying that it was the most important game they've had since joining the Valley, which is, is cool. I mean, that's cool to know that just a regular season contest with one of your conference uh, one of your conference foes is their most important game that they've played in two or three years that that that's makes me feel good um but yeah so we're gonna jump in here to we're gonna do quick hitters again uh the first topic that we're gonna talk about is just the defensive battle we all, and the fact that we only had nine turnovers uh i thought that was super impressive um the whole first half was back and forth and back and forth but uh we didn't turn the ball over a whole lot um and i think that's what probably saved the game for us if we were turning the ball over more i think they probably get a few more opportunities maybe javon freeman get some more looks on the on the fast break um so limiting those turnovers i think was was what kept us in the game in the first half and then what won us the game in the second half uh i do believe they only and they only had 10 turnovers uh, so it was just like a really uh, a defensive battle where um, guys are staying on, but people were, were controlling the ball and, and, and the, all the shots were being really highly contested by both teams. Um, and uh, us limiting our t- turnovers really kept us in the ball game. 
Yeah, uh, turnovers key. That's back-to-back games with really low, low turnovers for us. Um, getting give credit to uh, Valpo with their low turnovers. Uh, but something to point out, Javon Freeman leads the Valley Conference play with uh, steals per game with 1.8. So that's something to be a little worried. He did have a few steals. He had great block highlights, and I have to give it credit mm-hmm. to him. For, uh, and he's a kind of a skinny little guy, but he really gets up there, and he's athletic. So that's great to see. Um, but that tough competition, never we never let down. And... Um, and that's the, so great about the defensive mindset is never giving up, never uh, slacking. On the, even though it might be two seconds till the shot clock goes up, no, you keep going. Um, so yeah, and I think that defense transitions right into the offense and how that plays. Yeah, there were some really key plays early. Um, both Bruno and Cooper took charges kind of early on in the game, which was was good to see. They had a few shot clock violations. Um, so yeah, it, throughout the whole game, uh, Loyola was just playing some stifling defense. Um, the next topic uh, we have here is uh, Crutwig and, and how he did with that mask on. Uh, you want to take it? Uh, I think we're talking about the Batman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's Robin then? <laughs> uh, There's a tough one. We'll figure out next podcast yeah. episode. But um, Crutwig, man, he, that injury, I guess we were all a little startled if we didn't know. Um, Cam wore a little face mask uh, to prick the nose. Uh, again, like we talked previous in the previous game against Drake, he had the fall. But that's just reassurance that um, he was able to uh, really stay in there and uh, be that dominant force. Uh, to be quite honest, Valpo Canada came out hot with their bigs. Their bigs made a presence known, and that's something that we really haven't seen. Again, Nick McGlynn uh, did a great job with that in the first half of the Drake game, but the second half we dominated. So this was something for us to really pay attention to and notice. But um, really, uh, Cam just really didn't let any type of injury really stop him from really going hard and playing tough in this game. Yeah, I think when any athlete in any sport has to deal with wearing an additional piece of protection, like a face mask or maybe like uh, ankle ankle braces or a hand guard, something like that, it's going to throw your game off a little bit. It, it, it's impossible not to because you're just, you know, athletes are, are uh, creatures of habit. And anytime you change something, whether it's a pregame warm-up or, you know, wearing a different pair of shoes, or, you know, something so small can make a, soup, a, a big difference. And I think we saw the effects of that a little bit in the first half. I, you know, credit to Valpo. They played really good defense on him in the first half. Um, but, yeah, Krautwick just looked a little a little off for, for at least the first half. Um, and then I think the second half we really did see him. Uh, we really did see the Krautwig that we know and love. Uh, he had a, he had a, a super solid stat line, 12 points, 8 rebounds, and you know this being such a, a low-scoring game, to see him put that stat line up is, is reassuring. Um, but I, I think uh, he will adapt. I think he, ha- he did adapt in that game, and, and I'm not worried about the mask going on. Moving on now to uh, to Big Frank. Big Frank had a great game. I know you weren't as hot on it as I was, but I thought he really led the team like energy-wise. I thought he provided a huge spark. Uh, he had not the best situation coming in after, uh, after not playing too much the past few games. Um, but uh, what did you think of Big Frank's play? I think Big Frank has one of the biggest at- passionate people we could have on the team right now. If you watch him on the bench, he'll get a yeah. little happy. Get a, and now to see that transition into the court is amazing. It is unreal to watch this man find the time. Now, granted, I'd like to see Nish, Christian Negron also get that playing time. I'm a big fan of seeing these bench guys. I want to see these big guys be able to take the step up 
from um, Ahir, from Cam. Those big guys now off the bench are what's key, especially in a game against Valpo. We watch these big guys block us like a block city party. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to be careful now if we – when we make these big guys run too much of the game, we got to give them breathers. And I think seeing Frank there play the time he did, like we sent, and we're going to mention more about his dunk and transition block, like that's just key to see these bench big guys step up and make plays. And a game as, as close as Valpo was to see Frank find the time like that. But I'm, I will call it out. I will ask to see bench more played. I wanted to see bench more played in the Drake game, especially in the blowout. But to see bench come up like that, and I think the difference is – uh, Valpo had about 23 points off bench um, and that was a huge thing for them to stay in the game and so I think if we are able to cultivate our bench into a high scoring bench scoring like that I think we're a next level team yeah I love to see uh, Frank find and look for his own shot he did take six shots which is uh, it's pretty impressive I mean other than he actually took the most shots besides Crutwig, Custer and Towns so that was cool to see um, he had a really nice hook shot and it was nice to see him take shots without traveling which is uh, kind of a a problem with him um, but he does seem to settle down a little bit he's so good around the basket that he he almost doesn't need to make the same moves as Krutwig does because he's so long and he's so tall and I think he, he does have just as nice of a touch as Krutwig obviously he doesn't have the same feet work or footwork or the same experience level um, but my favorite sequence of the whole game was we were down nine with about seven and a half minutes left and Custer drove to the hoop and, and perfectly fed Frank for a dunk. And it was super impressive. And it got the whole bench up and going crazy. And then the very next possession, he got beat a little bit on a pick and roll. But he made up the ground and he swatted the heck out of that ball. Wait, wait. You, you saw you saw a swat? Did oh, you see a block? I don't think the ball's still in the stadium. No, I no. That block came all the way back to Chicago and mm-hmm. is sitting in Sister Jean's lab and she dunked it for an alley-oop because that's what that block did. That block put a light under everybody and it said, did. hey, that's the spark we need. And those little things are what we need and what we have with this team. Whether it's like we're going to talk about Marcus Towns making plays, mm-hmm. these are those little moments that went positive. And when, even as you said, Frank might have gotten beat, but he kept his head up. He played tough, and he wasn't like, "Damn, I got beat. Let me let that one go." No, he played, and a block, block city came up for him. It was and that so was just nice. great to see. He did have another block. I don't know when in the game that was, but he did have. He did finish with two blocks, which is so nice to see. And that's what he does a little bit differently uh, than Krutwig. Um, I mean, he's not the same caliber player yet as Krutwig. I don't know if he will be, but the things that he does do differently, he does um, provide that rim protector, which is super good to see. Uh, it lets the the guards um, play d- defense a little differently because they know they'll have someone behind them. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on to, to Marcus Towns, man. I don't, I don't know what else to say about him. I mean, he did he had two spurts in the game, one at the beginning where he had his own little 7 to nothing run, he had a three-pointer and a couple of different baskets. Um, and then later in the game, he was the guy who turned the ship around, and he stepped up. Um, he made some plays where he found open guys. Or he found Kaifas for a three. He found Bruno, although Bruno didn't shoot it. But he was making plays and finding open people. And then he did score seven points late in the game where he had a three-pointer. He had a crazy up-and-under um, on a drive to, to finish around the Valpo big man, uh, Derek Smiths. Um, he just, he's the player of the year. I, I don't know what else to say at this point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Lou? 
Um, I think when you start addressing Marcus Towns, we need to start addressing him as player of the year, Marcus okay. Towns. Okay. Um, I think that's the best way to do it. But this guy, man, uh, quiet first half from everybody in the team, quiet first half from everybody in Valpo, because, again, not really high scoring. Uh, Javon Freeman showed great things. you got to give him credit again. But Marcus Town was like, hey, I've played this game before. I know what we're doing. And the second half came back. And then down the stretch, like we talked about it, even with the block city, he got a block um, on him by Javon Freeman. Mm-hmm. But um, then he didn't let that get to him because he was able to have a beautiful three at the end of the game, close toward the end of the game to stretch the lead. He's also unselfish. He's really, even though he's one of my favorite guys when driving the basket, he'll look. If he sees a guy open, which we talked about, if the shot was there, I think it would have been a great uh, sequence. But he's a great guy when driving the rim because driving the rim isn't his only um, skill. It's it, that when he drives the rim, he looks for people. And that's the thing. We saw five assists from him this game. And that was just an amazing thing to see of a player of the year caliber is that he's there all the time. He's trying to stretch the floor. And he's trying to make you known that he's going to dominate the court. Yeah, and just another super impressive point. He played 38 minutes. I mean, he came out for two minutes the whole game. I mean, he yeah, he had 18 points, five rebounds, three assists. He's scoring at every level. He's driving to the hoop and finishing. He's pulling up for mid-range jumpers, and he's making three-pointers too. It's, it's, it's super fun to watch um, him play. Him play with a little bit of an attitude. Um, I'm, I'm guessing every other team in the Valley probably hates Marcus Towns, and that alone gives me joy. It's fun to be on a team that other, other uh, rivals uh, dislike or, uh, or hate. Um, so that's super fun. But um. Just wrapping it up here, I mean, this this Valpo game was super key. Um, you know, we did stretch that lead in the conference to two games, which is a world of a difference. Um, and this Valpo team is really good. They just came off beating Illinois State at Illinois State. Like, they are a very skilled team. Um, I would venture to say that this might be at least our most impressive road victory of the year because we've had a few home victories where we, we've won by a lot. Um, but... Uh, maybe the Drake game. Maybe the Drake game on the road was. But this one was a different type of game where uh, we battled and uh, we came out on top. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, the grinding of this game made it even better. The battle, the the to show you that because if we look at it, Valpo has beaten Illinois State twice this uh, this year, and those are those are that's a team that we lost to, and to see Valpo be able to play at such a high level. Um, they weren't quitting with us. And again, like these fans have said, they, this was the biggest game of the year for them at home. And that's a great thing to see uh, this rivalry really start up, this uh, um, really connection of Loyola versus uh, Valpo, as Valpo being the closest Valley team we have in the conference. We're just building them. That scene, those fans there, Porter coming on to the two buses he ordered for the team, he sent the fans out there. And if we could send you all to St. Louis, we would. But um, it's just a great thing to really start seeing. And I think over the years, we'll see names like Javon Freeman compete against our guys like Cameron, Cooper, next year with Marquise Kennedy. Um, he's a name they'll be, that will be there. And um, I just think Valpo having that type of level of com- competition is something great for us to see because um, we got a rivalry going on, and that's that's what we'd like to see in the future. Yeah, uh, just wrapping up here, 56-51, final score. Uh, Loyola does move to 9-3 and three in conference. Valpo is now 6-6. Six and six. Um, Impressive ballgame. Uh, let's move on. Let's move. And the Ramblers are moving on! So this week, Loyola is traveling to Bradley on Wednesday uh, to play the game at 7 o'clock. Uh, Bradley's coming off of a... Huge victory in which they scored over 90 points um, against Indiana State. 
a super impressive victory. Uh, they do have a player there, Darrell Brown, who is very impressive, which we'll get into. Um, but looking for another road win. Hopefully we can continue that road warriors. Uh, yeah, what, what are you thinking about? Yeah, um, if, for those of you who are avid fans, you know a year ago down at Bradley, uh, we, um, we really got the bad end of some bad really call in there. There was a goaltending, clear goaltending call that should have been made. And uh, that little was the only lost, I believe, of uh, a stretch we had going into the NCAA tournament and to the conference uh, tournament play. And uh, I don't really see that happening now. Great game they had. You can't, can't, cannot deny a 90, uh, 90, 96 uh, point outing by them is a great game. But I think our boys, after the efficiency game they've had over the past two games and the tough road win they just had at uh, Valpo, I think that's what we want to become. We want to. We have an eight winning, eight game winning streak at home. Let's uh, let's make it a two game winning streak on the road right now. And I think that's something right now we want to see. And that would be a great surge uh, toward the end of this uh, conference play. Yeah. So so Bradley comes in. They have a, about an eight man rotation. Uh, their starting lineup. Um, they their two best players are five ten junior Darrell Brown, who's who is averaging fifteen points a game, two rebounds, three assists. And then a 6'7 sophomore, Elijah Childs, who is averaging 12 points and 8 rebounds a game. Um, it will be kind of interesting to see how Loyola decides to match up against Darrell Brown. Um, I would like to see someone stick on him, probably Towns, but I do think that they're going to run the defense they always run, which is, it is man-to-man, but they s- switch on everything. Um, so I, I, someone's going to have to run around and chase Darrell Brown. I know he's, he's really efficient from all areas of the court, can shoot the three really well. Um, but then 6'7", uh, sophomore Elijah Childs, I'm really looking for Ahir to shut him down. I think uh, Ahir's put in some good defensive uh, performances recently, and uh, I, I, I do believe that Ahir's going to shut him down. Uh, finishing out the starting lineup, they have three seniors. Uh, two two guards, uh, six three, six four, and then their big guy, uh, who is six foot nine. Uh, his last name is Van Bree. Um, so they to go along with their two best players, they have three seniors, which is pretty impressive. Um, that I'm not looking for them to turn the ball over a whole lot. You know, these senior guys, they know what it's like to play in the valley, quite like uh, Towns and Custer. Um, where I am looking for Loyola to really dominate is down low. I think we'll see a lot of Cameron Crutwig early. Um, he will match up with that six foot nine Van Bree that I did mention earlier. Um, and I, I just think Crutwig's, I think this is a game where Crutwig might put up 25 points. Um, how do you feel? What are you looking forward to yeah. this game? I think this is where we're going to see a game, a little change of pace from our player of the year because I think he'll show the talent he can have and step up with defense that would be amazing I think if he can lock down um, their top guy that'd be great again there's gonna be a little tough with switching they got the six seven uh, Elijah Childs but then uh, Cam's got a big man himself to worry about um, yeah uh, but I can see this our team scoring in many different ways this game and down low um, again if we're as efficient as we've been uh, getting lately in the past two games I think we maybe might see the three-point line again being brought out as one of our favorite best friends to have um, yeah, I just hope that uh, Porter kind of reminds the team that a year ago when they went down to Bradley, um, it was a close one and it was a tight one and it was something that uh, f- fell out of our hands and really not to credit our team for the loss, but it was really just um, there are other moments that could help win a game and I hope he says this game is not a game we want to be back to. And then this is just as important for down the valley stretch. This is 
games like this help uh, give a little comfort. Right now we have a two-game Valley lead over uh, Drake, and that's what we want right now. We just want uh, a separation from the rest of the pack. And again, uh, kudos to our guys. Uh, keep going strong. Yeah, I think, uh, like you mentioned, that, that past game from last year, um, I think uh, Custer and Townsend and Krautwig will remember that, that game and come out with a little uh, so, some intensity that that might be um, that might be from that game. Um, you know, you're hoping for your senior leaders. I think I mentioned this before. You know, when you go on the road, you hope for your seniors to step up and lead the way. Um, guys like Custer and Towns, and then when you're back at home, hopefully your freshmen perform. So I'm really looking for big games from from Custer, Towns, and, and Crutwig there. Um, but just uh, yeah, Bradley. I mean, they do have wins at Northern Iowa. They did win. They did beat Illinois State at home, and and like I mentioned before, they put up 96 points. And I think they have won like four of their last six or something like that. They started out 0 and five, um, but they really have turned it on here. Um, this isn't going to be an easy game. Um, I'm looking for it to be a similar play style to like you and I. I think uh, when we beat them by one point at home, I think it's going to be a battle. Um, hopefully Bradley doesn't shoot as well from three as Northern Iowa did that game because then we might be in for a little bit of trouble. Um, but it should be a big battle. Like I said before, I'm looking for Krotwick to put up big numbers uh, and Towns and Custer. Uh, do you have any predictions for the game? Yeah, I'm thinking this is a game. Um, I think Marcus Town's going to have a high-scoring game. Um, I'm, I'm going to like to see a little bit of Clayton Custer. I think he's going to maybe have a good game um, with the three. I think um, the Drake game, he was great. Uh, Valpo was a little tough, but I think that's what you have is a game where he wasn't as hot or as great. He just comes back and has a little surge, and I think that surge will benefit a whole bunch of guys. Uh, love to see. I'm really hoping with Bradley as back they are in the standings i really hope this is a dominant game because i would love to see the bench get out this is our first time playing bradley this year mm-hmm. this is a different bradley team than last year i can't keep saying that's the same game we were going to have last year but uh, i think we'd love to see start seeing the bench and i think you will my frank frank's going to get there really hope we start seeing christian out there cooper off the bench is always normal that's a normal thing we see um, yeah, and then I hope that's what this game. I hope it's more toward Drake. I hope we're a little comfort where we have a nice spread, and we just put it in the bank. We just put it and move on, and uh, we help that magic number keep getting lower and lower. Yeah, uh, like I said before, looking for Crowd to dominate. Um, I think Towns and Custer might, you know, they're going to have a good all-around game, but maybe like ten or twelve points. I think it's actually going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I know Bradley did just put up ninety-six, but our defense is tops in the valley, so I think it's going to be you know, around 60, maybe, uh, I'm going to go with a 60 to 57 victory. I think it's going to be close. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to say 60, 57 Loyola, Loyola over, um, over Bradley there at Bradley. Um, but yeah, looking, looking forward to another week of, of Valley hoops and, and man, it feels good to be in first place. Yeah. We just keep on rolling, keep on rolling two game lead and let's hope we get another one this, this week. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, This has been another episode of Podcast 63. uh, Looking forward to these games against Bradley this week at 7. And uh, thank you for listening.